Welcome to See More, podcast about movies and TV. I'm Joan Gonzalez, and today's episode is a bit unlike the rest because we're going to be talking screenplays. More specifically, we're going to talk about the Oscar-nominated screenplay for 20th Century Women and how fascinating the unusual format that writer-director Mike Mills applied to the story is. If you aren't familiar with the 2016 comedy drama, the story's simple. A mother and two other women help raise her teenage boy. You know, they teach him how to live life with meaning, uh, deal with the hardships of life, all that good stuff. The film takes place in 1979's Southern California and stars Annette Bening, Ellie Fanning, Greta Gerwig, and Lucas Jade Zuman. I should preface with this. This episode is not a course in screenwriting, and while I've written my fair share of scripts, I don't want to imply that I'm in any way an expert, nor is this episode a lesson in writing. I'll briefly go over some of the basics so you're up to the standards, especially if you don't normally read screenplays, and so that you can understand how Mike Mills kind of changed the norm. You can find the script for free online, so feel free to check it out as a reference. And if you like the script and want to learn more about screenwriting, there are plenty of free screenplays and online resources that you can easily access. I personally use Weekend Read, WKND Read. That's a free mobile app with access to award-winning screenplays. If you want to get into screenwriting, the best advice I've received from people in the industry is to just read as many as you can. Read the scripts of the movies you love, read the scripts of the movies you don't like, and read the scripts of the movies that you haven't seen and then watch the film and see how that action translates. For screenwriting, I use the desktop app Slugline. It'll set you back $40 on the App Store, but it has the cleanest interface and it's super user-friendly. So with all that being said, let's get into the conversation. And as always, no spoilers for the movie. I'd like to welcome our guest, Joao. Thanks for having me once again, bro. Again. I appreciate This is actually, I'm very excited about this episode because I admittedly don't know anything about the medium of screenwriting. Yeah. I've been on the show before where I don't know about a specific show or, or about, the topic. Right. But screenwriting as a medium, I'm kind of going in completely blind. Well, you've seen, because I've written stuff and we've filmed some stuff that I've written, so you're familiar with... You have a, a good enough understanding of you can read through it. Right. Could you say that you have a basic understanding of the screenplay format? Of the format, yeah. I, I don't really know what the standards are. I don't know, you know, why it's formatted the way it is. Yeah. I just, like you said, I'm I'm familiar with it just through re- reading your scripts. And there's YouTube channels that I watch that break down screenplays, lessons from the screenplay. Yeah. Uh, that's a really great one, and that, really good. Yeah, and and but that's really like my limited exposure on this stuff. Well, fortunately, that's a really good channel, so I think you have a leg up on just about everyone else. And I feel like I mentioned Weekend Read and Slugline. I feel like people are going to think that they sponsor the show now because I just plugged <laughs> like two of the different services that I use. Graceful plugs too. Thank you. Yeah, I would love them to sponsor. That. I'd love anyone to sponsor. That. It's Hot Cheetos. Any anyone at all. Please sponsor the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, screenwriting has its own set of rules. If, if you're not familiar with it, it isn't written the way a short story is because that would just be clunky, right? Like actors need to know their lines and to skim through a short story. That's just It's just not efficient. Because it's a visual medium, the page needs to read the way a movie looks and feels. Mm. So 
because runtimes can span, you know, hours and hours, the read needs to be done with both ease and it must be reflective of the actual runtime. So are there like weird rules and it's kind of genius how people say a page equals a minute of screen time. Hmm. Again, we've filmed some stuff. That holds true. No matter what you put on that page, if it's just a bunch of dialogue, then it might be a little shorter than a minute. But it's amazing how all of these little rules like actually mirror what we see on screen. Mm-hmm. So with that, I'm going to run down just very quickly so that people are kind of caught up to date because you need to understand the basic fundamentals of screenwriting before we can talk about how Mike Mills innovates on these concepts. A screenplay usually comprises of, you know, it opens with an exterior or interior location and the time of day to start each scene in all caps. So in this case, the first line of 20th century women is exterior ocean day. It's actually how the script opens. It then has an action which is the visual description of the action on screen. So this reads most like a short story. This is just telling the reader what is happening on screen. So Mm -hmm. in this movie, the line is high overhead shot looking down on the Pacific Ocean. Or we present the characters, first time they appear is in all caps. Uh, Dorothy, 55, short gray hair, right? Jamie, 15, new wave punk, uh, jog their shopping cart towards the commotion, stunned to find their car on flames. That's the action. So we've got the location, the action, sometimes a title on screen. In this case, Santa Barbara, 1979. And then we have the final pillar here is the dialogue, which is a character's name in all caps and whatever they're saying beneath it. You've probably seen this before. It's like a speech bubble. Right. Now, this is important. A character dialogue is what differentiates a screenplay most from a short story or something you're used to seeing or, or reading. Now, there's a mechanic in comedy that you've seen in my writing that's used pretty often. And I love this mechanic. It's a dual dialogue. It allows for two people to talk at once. Mm -hmm. So it puts two dialogue boxes next to each other. And both of the characters can talk at the same time. And this can be used for a number of purposes. Two people talking over each other. Mm -hmm. Something I know you like. You know, two characters are talking and they're saying the same sentence. And they finish and the last word they say is different. Mm -hmm. To imply that they're not on the same page. Right. So that's an example of how that mechanic is used. Before we get to how Mike Mills innovates on this, do you have any, I mean, does all of this seem? Yeah, it's all pretty straightforward. It's like very linear as far as conceptually. It's all, it all trickles down basically in scope, right? Yeah, definitely. You get environment, you get time of day, and then you kind of trickle down to an action, and then you trickle down to the character, and then you trickle down to the words that the character is saying. Yeah, and it's all very vertical. Mm -hmm. So you're reading it like a timeline and it's supposed to flow the way the information is like parceled out, like time of day. Is it light out? Is it dark? Are we inside? Are we outside? It's like the way our brain creates this like visual picture. Right. And it's kind of the easiest way, unless somebody else like reinvents the, right? Like this is the way people have done it then like. It's efficient. It's just like an efficient way to relay information. So now I ask you, you say... Unless someone reinvents the wheel. So what did 20th century women do differently? So Mike Mills has a background and he's a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. So the way that screenwriting is like such a beautiful medium, it all looks very clear, very clean on the page. A lot of white space, um, not a lot of clutter usually. So the way he was telling his story, the movie has a lot of... Have you seen the movie? Yeah. So the movie has a lot of montages that take place in different times and it's loosely based on, on, on his mother and kind of his childhood. But 
there's also a lot of VO. So he took the dual dialogue mechanic. VO meaning voiceover. Yes, good call out. So he took the dual dialogue mechanic and had the character voiceover on the left and visuals on the right. Of the page. Yeah, So on the right of the page. Huh. And then he would number the order that the visuals would appear when the characters say what they say. Hmm. So because he, I mean, this works on a couple of different levels that we'll get, get into, but because he can afford to do this because he's the writer-director. So he said that he has a very clear vision of how he wants to tell the story, and he can kind of afford to do that. I know there's like a, a really like antiquated rule that's like, don't give stage directions on your screenplays because the director will choose how right. that works. That doesn't really apply anymore based on what I've read and what I've been keeping up with. But we see it in the first couple of pages of the script, right? So here's an example. Jamie Vio on the left says, my mom was 40 when she had me. Everyone told her she was too old to be a mother. On the right, it's titled visuals where the character name would be. And it's labeled number one baby in isolate. So we now pair that visual with the dialogue and the dialogue tells us how long we're standing on that shot for hmm. because the, we don't transition until we see a new visual and that's what the numbers are for. So right under that, Dorothy, VO, I put my hand through the little window and he'd squeeze my finger and I'd tell him life was very big and unknown on the right visuals. Two, Dorothy's hand opening isolate window and putting hand through. Three, baby's fingers holding hand. Four, stars in space. So all of those shots happen. happen while she says her two lines. That's super interesting. So this is basically a storyboard. In writing. Right. And it also allows for different VOs to happen during one montage mm -hmm. because they go back and forth, Jamie and his mom, Dorothy. And we get a sense of these three following shots, two, three, and four, during her short quip happen very quickly in succession. So like visually we can see it and you're editing it while you're saying it and right. directing, like, it's pretty crazy. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm actually so surprised. This hasn't been done. Before. Right, yeah. This yeah. is just, it makes so much sense, especially when, obviously, like you said, when there's montage involved. And also just because it's such a visual medium, you know, yeah. to begin with, it's, it's kind of crazy how, I don't know, it, it almost seems obvious, but I guess that's how most innovation, after you innovate, it's just... It becomes obvious. So he was looking at the script for, it took him two and a half to three years to write. And after looking at it for so long, you can imagine that. Yeah. There's just like an easier way to do it. So let's talk about how it affects the perception of the story. And we kind of touched on this before and it kind of, it reads how it looks, how the film should look. Mm -hmm. He actually says the columns made the read feel more like how he envisioned it was going to be like, because he's also the director, he's a graphic designer, so... He's used to hacking the system a little bit. Mm. This feels more like how it's going to play. These images are going to fly by in some sort of lyrical way. And that's the timing that we're talking about with, by just giving us, you know, within Jamie has two and a half lines here and we're going through three different visuals, kind of gives us a visual indicator of how quickly these three and each of these visuals are on screen for. Yeah, you could feel like if you read the lines and you know that you're supposed to fit three visuals while you read those lines, while someone's saying those lines. Yeah, it's, like a, it's like a metronome kind of. There's yeah. like a pace to it. Yeah, you get like the pace is inherent to the script, which is yeah. crazy. Like you said, it's you're basically giving the editor instructions. 
yeah. in the script. Yeah, and it also reads very abstractly. So we talked about the verticality of screenwriting and how that information trickles down. It was weird reading the script left to right, and it took a little bit to get used to because we were all almost floating in space. Obviously, like this, it saves a lot of time and better represents the runtime. Uh, we were talking about a minute a page. So naturally, it felt like sort of an endless feed when everything was kind of vertical, which were the first couple drafts of the mm-hmm. story. He says, I was doing this in a more traditional way where you'd have the narrator and below it or above it, it would like anticipate what we were going to see. And what he's talking about here is really interesting because on a script, certain lines hold a lot of weight, especially when if the only thing you're reading at a time is a character's dialogue that kind of took away from a lot of like the punchier lines, Mm -hmm. as he put it, very heavy-handed. So the lines are just kind of floating in the background of these visuals. And he said that the way he shot it and the way he wrote it, he wanted it to feel very natural, for things to feel very like organic and get rid of kind of single lines or like punchier lines and make everything kind of like flow. And you definitely get that sort of surreal element when they're going through these like montages that span a lot of time. Yeah. And I think that really worked. Like for this particular film, for the the dialogue to feel like lyrical almost yeah. and and not very because I feel like this film could have easily there's any time you tackle life or the meaning of life and living, it could feel very preachy. Yeah. And attacking it from this perspective made it feel again natural and and strangely grounded in its airiness. Yeah, I think maybe when I have read the limited amount of screenplays I have, they always come from a very third person bird's eye view because traditionally like we were saying even structurally the way that the screenplay set up is you have like very large scope and then trickling down all the way to uh you know what each character is saying. So I feel like with this it's almost like you're ground level looking around. Yeah. You know, and if you have the dialogue to the left and the visuals to the right, it feels very all encompassing and it feels very, even from a time perspective, you know, it feels like things are happening around you. Like it's a little more immersive. Yeah. Whereas maybe traditionally, traditional screenplays can, can feel omniscient. You're seeing somebody else's like vision. Right. Kind of, or, or screenplays by nature are like kind of because of their format and because of how concise and easy you want them to read, they can sometimes lack a lot of character or detail. Yeah. And this by nature, like you, it has to be. And I want to kind of not backtrack, but I say that it feels very airy, but with intention. Right. Like it is while the visuals and the timing and the lyrical elements make it feel very songy, it's all with intention. The visuals are very specific. The timing is very specific. Everything's very just, it just feels accurate. And it's coming from a singular vision because this guy's also directing it. So right. I just wanted to mention that, that like, it isn't this like very loose feeling, even though it may read that way. It's all, it's it's intentionally trying to feel that way. Yeah, this, I know that I said this earlier, but the fact that this hasn't really been done before is kind of crazy to me because for example, in music, you have a very specific way to write music, just traditionally speaking, that spans hundreds and hundreds of years, which is notation. It's basically like when you look at sheet music, it's you have all the notes, you have the, like, the lines on the paper, and then yeah. you have the notes on each line. And 
now there are just so many different ways to write and convey music. Everything from, you know, guitar tabs, which is just like a diagram of guitar strings. Yeah. To uh, MIDI, which is what most people use now to, you know, quote unquote, draw in music. And so in a lot of music programs, or most music programs, you can draw in these bars into basically a grid and each line on that grid represents a note and the length of that bar represents the length of the note. Yeah. And so you have all these alternative ways of writing music and conveying music to people. It's just kind of crazy how just now, you know, there's a deviation from the standard. In 2016, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it's about time because... Yeah, anytime you have a standard way of doing things, it, it, it's always, especially when the medium itself changes so much, like the stories that are being told on film can't be the same as they've always been. I mean, as that changes, the way that you convey those stories or write those stories has to change with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to give credit. I'm sure that there are a lot of alternative scripts out there, but I don't think that any of them in recent history with this. I mean, this was an Oscar-nominated screenplay. Right. You know, have had these kinds of innovations in like the mainstream. Especially interesting that it got nominated for Best Screen. I wonder if yeah, anyone that's on crazy. the Oscars like actually read it because they are very <laughs> traditional over there from what I... That's a, an amazing point. Yeah, you have a very traditional establishment giving the Oscar to something so... I think it's revolutionary. Yeah. I use it all the time. Especially for comedies and commercial. The the reason I know of this and a little bit of context here is I was taking classes at UCB here in New York. What's UCB? Upright Citizens Brigade. I know what it is. I just wanted you to say. Oh yeah, well I did a terrible <laughs> I, job of explaining what it is. I pay attention when you. T- I I know about your life, bro. Yeah. I'm not like wait, what was that thing you were doing for years? My teacher told us about this when we were writing commercial sketches. Hmm. And because commercial sketches are, you know, you obviously know about them. They're just making parodies of commercials, but they're very visual mediums. So we would have, you know, narration on the left and the visuals on the right. And kind of, it's crazy how something like this can, you know, she she's an avid movie watcher and she applied that to this very specific type of sketch, I guess, genre. And so ever since then, I just use it whenever I can. And I wonder how many other people do. I was going to ask you, do you know if of, of any recent films that have used this screenwriting technique? Not that I know of. Interesting. Maybe Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Um, hey, watch your mouth, man. Just won an Oscar. <laughs> All right, let's get into some trivia. Got a short trivia, and then I've got a really fun rapid fire set of questions. Um have Some you figured out a name, by the way, for the trivia section yet? No, because it's not trivia. It's not trivia. No, we'll figure out. I mean, that it out. kind of is trivia sometimes, and sometimes it's like... Yeah, it depends on the day. We got we to gotta come up with a name for this, dude. Yeah, it is. Well, we're a little under. I mean, hey, should we yeah, let's <laughs> figure this out <laughs> let's right figure now? It out on air. Yeah. Jawan's Gems. Well, I just take them from IMDb, so it's not really... Yeah, but you're conveying the gems. You're not coming up with them. You're just, you know, digging I'm them just out. Just forwarding right. the, the knowledge. <laughs> no, man, I saw uh I think H3H3 on on YouTube just exposed 
the hell out of uh, F. Jerry. You know those guys? Oh, yeah. They just, they just like steal, steal a bunch of memes and stuff and then claim, what? Oh, and make God. a bunch of money off of other people's Terrible. content. A bunch of money. Yeah. His net worth was like, his net worth was at like 10 mil. It's That's like, insane. What do you do? And like just the the entitlement and like arrogance that, dude, I'm 100% yeah. down to start some beef, to ha- to have like podcast beef. Absolutely. If they, they don't, have a well, podcast, they don't have a, they don't, they have to at least have a podcast. I'm sure they do. They probably just, or they just like upload someone else's podcast. Yeah. They probably <laughs> they just listen to, they just rip other people's, uh, yeah, we got to keep a tight lid on cesspool. Can't have them stealing any of our right content. Right. All right. So Juwan's gems. I don't really like that. Yeah. One. I figured it. Yeah. You probably wouldn't like Let's it. stick to trivia. I'm okay that we spent that short amount of time doing our due diligence and shitting on f- Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to believe both of those <laughs> curse words. This is a family show. So the first piece of trivia is that the film is semi-autobiographical. According to Michael Mills, the main cast members are based on one or multiple influences on Mills' childhood, and Annette Benning's character in particular is based partly on his mother. We kind of addressed this earlier, so... Yeah, just wanted to definitely confirm that. And the second bit of trivia, they're just facts. It's just literally <laughs> just... They're just fun yeah. facts. But it's, then sometimes when you when we say fun facts, they're not even... Facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll figure this segment yeah. out. I just want to provide context <laughs> to our listeners. Frivia. Frivia. That might be it. You like that? Yeah. So... During rehearsals, the cast was encouraged to bring in music they believed their characters would listen to. This is really big. Music plays a really big part in this movie. And I think this act, just my own opinion, and this movie does a really good job sort of representing punk on screen in a way that isn't uh, like super lame. Yeah, and cliche. And cliche. A trope. Yeah, a trope, stereotypical. All the words. Um, then to encourage familiarity among the cast, there would be a dance party where the only rule was that everyone had a dance and it didn't matter what song it was. That's really nice. I mean, they have a That's lot awesome. of great chemistry in this movie and it shows. Yeah. Before we close, we're going to play, this might be the best rapid fire game we've played yet. Wait, is it a game or question? I don't, yeah. It's see, just rapid fire. All, all of these, <laughs> all of these segments are falling apart. <laughs> So I'm going to go through the script real quick. I'm literally just going to swipe. We're doing this in real time. I'm just going to swipe to a random page, mm-hmm. start reading an action or a piece of dialogue, mm-hmm. stop, and then you finish the sentence with whatever you want. Okay. And you can't look at the screen. Okay. We're going to do three of these. Dorothy pulls Abby aside, looks at her. Abby, finish it. Looks back, but not directly at her eyes. Just above in the forehead area. Okay. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. Do you want to know what the real line was? Yeah. Abby doesn't want to share. Uh, so yours was better. Now we're just like, <laughs> we're just, <laughs> like talking, <laughs> just talking down to this dude's incredibly revolutionary script. Right. Let's scroll. That was the first one. Let's do another one. Abby and William are kissing, shirts off. She pulls back, then what? Hmm. All right, give you're me not a, guessing give, what it says. Okay, I see. That's the thing is like, 
I've seen the movie, so I'm trying to like. Oh, I see. Give me another one, and I'm just okay. gonna like not even think about it. I'm just gonna keep talking. Okay. Yeah. This isn't William's usual comfort zone. Not his trip, but his discomfort zone. His trip. Oh, okay. Damn, dude, this is terrible. Uh, yeah, this is a huge letdown. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the original line was, this isn't William's usual comfort zone, not his trip, but something about Abby's strength has him. Okay, these scenes are, <sighs> these are the same. <laughs> is this all in the same scene? Here, let me scroll faster. We'll do one more. Abby quickly exits. Bloody lip. Oh, God, is this the same? Yeah. <laughs> just took just... a turn for the worst. <laughs> Abby quickly exits. Bloody lip. Torn up shirt. She rushes past Julian. Hey, what happened? She's running down. I'm just reading. The yeah, dude. <laughs> the street. All right. That was the line. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I had to keep reading. Um, okay. This is seriously the last line. Okay. Julie, Jamie. Dorothy and William eat breakfast. Abby shows up with a busted. <laughs> Why not scrolling fast enough? Dorothy's curious. Abby waves. Okay, finish the section. Abby waves her hand and Julie looks at her, but not in the eyes, just above the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> all right well okay the that's the end of the segment <laughs> i see we're stuck on a very specific narrative that you really want to tell dude it's so hard like if you've seen the movie and then you read the script it's hard to make anything other than what actually happens happen yeah of course you saw this of all episodes <laughs> you had to see the one that we you haven't seen like the last three things that we've talked about yeah but that's it man yeah, man. Thanks I'm for being on. So happy to be here, man. I, honestly, I feel like that was extremely educational for me because I have, again, like the screenwriting medium is complete. I'm just, my only exposure is your scripts, which are yeah. great, but I didn't know how much of that you were just like following a standard. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't know how much of a standard there is in screenwriting. And if something like this can be so revolutionary, it's kind of... It's obvious that the, the the standard is very strong. Yeah. So thanks for having me, dude. This is the greatest that making movies has ever been. Like, it is so fascinating to be a part of this, like, movement and, and film and television. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how other people, you know, reinvent the wheel. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're on the brink of change. But yeah, where can people find you? Find your stuff? Uh, you can find me, Softglass, S-O-F-T-G-L-A-S, uh, anywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. That was this week's show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can hear new episodes of Seymour every week on Tuesdays, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And remember, Seymour is just one of many shows that Cesspool has to offer. For more info, visit cesspoolnetwork.com to see our full weekly lineup or follow at Cesspool Network on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Juwan underscore chirps, on Instagram at Juwan underscore snaps, or follow what I watch on Letterboxd at Juwan Gonzalez. See you next week.